What does it mean to run a truly feminist organization? Reflecting on this question is Disha Malik, the CEO of Chambal Media, a feminist media enterprise. Chambal Media runs Khabar Lahiria, a news platform which trains women from remote villages in North India to be professional journalists and produce local news in their own language. The team is led by a diverse group of women who cut across class, caste and geography. In today's episode, Disha talks about how she failed to practice core feminist values of empathy and inclusion while in the midst of difficult organizational changes. Hi, I'm Shreya and you're listening to Failure Files, a podcast by India Development Review or IDR. The show features highly relatable narratives of failure by people working on complex issues of social change. Their stories are a reminder that the path to resilience cannot be built on success alone. Failure is a necessary condition for it. And now, let's hear from Disha This past year, one of the most exhilarating and exhausting in my work life, I failed to live up to a core personal and professional value. I failed to put into practice what a truly feminist organization should be. I lead Chambal Media, a feminist media enterprise run by a diverse group of women from different classes, castes, geographies and ages. We're committed to create a space where everyone brings their own histories and visions to the table. their own languages, styles and stakes to create a living, breathing, even profitable idea of feminist media. Chambal Media trains rural women to be journalists and publishes stories from small towns and villages across UP. Our team comprises 30 women from rural and urban India. A majority of them are Dalit and other backward class and many have completed their formal education after joining the organization. Over the past 4 years we've worked on making the organization self-sustaining by moving to a digital first model and experimenting with new revenue streams. In the glamour of designing and rolling out feminist business plans, those rare ventures that manage to raise questions about unjust social structures and make some money too. What suffered were the needs of individuals within this grand plan. What happened was this We decided to shift from being a non-profit to a for-profit model. Within the first month of this transition, a co-founder and dear friend, one who had built our foundation in the field, quit. In the year that has followed, in the process of setting up the business model and culture of the new entity, I also lost two colleagues who would play key roles in operationalizing this vision. I was left with a confused team, an insecure organization, and a deep sense of inadequacy of being able to lead in an empathetic yet decisive way. Power struggles. The process of shifting an organization that had been a non-profit for 17 years to a for-profit model was tedious, painful, and strained. It involved multiple risks: shifting away from the familiarity of philanthropic funding. and making certain roles redundant it involved multiple risks 
shifting away from the familiarity of philanthropic funding and making certain roles redundant. We made this decision due to our inability to stay afloat with only philanthropic funding given the shifting media and political environment. I strongly advocated for this decision. In the months before my co-founder left, we were immersed in covering an intense general election and were unsure of the future of the organization. Our monthly leadership meetings were tense affairs. The leadership team comprised myself and another urban educated co-founder who was on sabbatical at the time and two rural dalit colleagues. Conflict about our way forward strained power dynamics between the three of us. My colleague who ended up leaving was older and more experienced and had deep investment in the identity of the organization as it was known locally. She felt that we were moving away from its history and was resistant to change. I was less experienced than both my rural colleagues, yet came with the privileges of access, caste and class. I was responsible for sustainability. I strongly advocated that if we had to stay relevant, we had to change. For the first time in our working relationship, the unequal balance of power made decision making very difficult. Slowly, she withdrew from engaging with decisions about the future, and the situation took a toll on her physical and mental health. I felt constant guilt and resentment, along with the pressure of being accountable to funders who wanted to see sustainable plans from us. Finally, armed with legal advice, we decided to move forward on certain difficult decisions. shifting to a for-profit entity and restructuring the team this was when my colleague put in her resignation changing working styles as we shifted towards a for-profit digital media model we hired new colleagues many of them urban educated and living in cities in roles that never existed before we wanted them to be inspired mentored and a part of the future of the company I was playing the role of their manager and mentor and was too eager for them to learn our history and take ownership of our values. I was simultaneously engaged in building a new company with a new ambition, new products and a new culture that straddled both efficiency and empathy. The nature of the work was exacting, both in the context of running an independent rural news channel and making it sustainable. The work was never confined to office hours. In many ways it had no end. And so I was demanding of myself and also of my new colleagues. I pushed them to see their own privilege, to try and make them more ambitious and efficient, to understand why certain ideas of professionalism and boundaries were out of place when some of our team members were confronting structural oppression daily to do their jobs. I was conscious that the expectations were high. I tried to be empathetic. and tried to redefine my very fluid boundaries between the personal and professional for example i would avoid getting in touch with team members outside of office hours i would share my own vulnerabilities and leadership struggles to temper reviews of performance and deadlines and i tried to make space for self care i tried to think about how diversity also meant understanding and adapting to the needs of team members across the lines of class but i feel to detach my own consciousness of class and caste from the way that new colleagues may have negotiated this i was too judgmental of what i perceived as an indulgence of individual needs especially of my more privileged team members over what i felt that the organization or rural team members needed biases internal conflict undue stress 
I gain stamina and stimulation and build resilience on the back of my commitment to a vision. It's hard for me not to be judgmental of anyone who is not in my opinion doing enough to take that commitment seriously. This is a very slippery slope. Where is the possibility of inclusiveness and co-creation of a vision then? What is ever enough in our line of work? Is this a reason for the high levels of mental health issues and anxiety that are common across our progressive social organizations? For me, the collective's needs and specifically the needs of those team members who came from less privileged backgrounds were the reason why the organization was built. And so, I did not accord as much space or attention to the needs of newer colleagues. Additionally, as a tentative leader and a new entrant into the space of social business, I felt I had much to prove. I had always accorded people and process more importance than results, and now I ended up hovering over my colleagues, monitoring them closely, heightening the pressure. I felt that I could never do enough either to support a new colleague or to hold that colleague to account. And I feel to manage or communicate this internal conflict of needing to be a leader who was open and inclusive about feedback while also being able to deliver feedback on performance and accountability effectively. As a result, I made both working together and the exit process unduly stressful. Failure takes different forms. Failure is often a feeling that comes and goes and not a tangible car wreck. It may not look like failure at all on some days when you have your Wonder Woman suit on. But I do see these losses as important personal failures even if they involve others accountability and responsibility too. They've shown me aspects of my personality that are difficult to work with. Apart from the intense guilt and distraction from the many things I was meant to be doing as a leader, I was conscious that the exit of my colleagues was not good for a new company's morale. While I encouraged team members to bring their ideas and ownership to build the company, here was an example of both new and old team members being unable to make a space for themselves in the organization. The team seemed to mirror my own conflict and strain. There was confusion around the expectations I had of people. Confusion around what people were meant to be living up to and when and how they could say that it was too much. Towards creating a thriving feminist business culture. To be empathetic and also take necessary decisions in the interest of efficiency feels like a Sisyphean process. I often feel like I'm slowly moving backwards. I think my failure to incorporate diverse visions and styles has been a consequence of treating this business with far too much fastidiousness. The fact is that this feminist vision is never complete. It is not just mine, but is part of the collective failures and successes of team members from varied locations. There's much to be gained by holding on less tightly. Grand business plans and constant vulnerability notwithstanding, during the lockdown we put in place an externally facilitated process. Kya khayal hai? What do you think? The idea was to listen to and understand team members' ideas of themselves in the organization. We did this over a series of workshops with the rural and urban teams through play and open-ended discussions. We tried to understand what is relationship building in a diverse organization look like? Whose realities take precedence in setting organizational goals and culture? What is taking care of ourselves look like? What is accountability to the organization look like? How does the team see this balance working? 
and how can this balance also be a shared responsibility? We are now in the midst of weaving these processes into our day-to-day. It's a day-to-day that is constantly fraught and perhaps will always be, but constantly hopeful of creating a thriving feminist business culture. Not only with the rural women who are at the heart of our venture, but with women from a range of backgrounds who will take this company forward together. Failure Files is produced by Disha Acharya, Pallavi Deshpande, Rachita Vora, Tanaya Jaktiani, and me, Shreya Adhikari. This podcast is part of a larger initiative at IDR, where alongside 15 partners, we are creating a space for candid conversations around failures and social impact. To read more about this growing movement, check us out at idronline.org. You can also share your own failure story with us at write to us at idronline.org. Thank you for listening and see you next week.